the Oscar goes and to. And the Oscar goes and the Oscar to. Goes to. My only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender. Fasten your seat. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer. Oh, really? Love is is Love. too weak a word. Stay Welcome to the Next Best Picture Podcast. It's time! Hello everyone and welcome to episode 11 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, and today we've got... Drumroll, Will. Hi, guys. And Michael. Hello. All right, guys. It's good to have both of you on as we are here to talk about quite a lot of um, different aspects of the award season right now. But first and foremost, there was an event that occurred on Tuesday. It is very important. I don't want to necessarily skip over it, and I also don't want to linger on it, so let's just get it out of the way really quickly. Uh, it looks like Donald Trump is going to be our president of the United States. What does this possibly mean in an election year for the Oscars? So I know Matt wrote a piece on this recently, and obviously it's difficult to tell because there's not a tremendous amount of data and correlation doesn't equal causation, et cetera, et cetera. But it is possible we will see some kind of reaction from the Academy now that the mood may not be quite as optimistic as it was in Hollywood a week ago. Um, it could go one of two ways. In 2004, post-George Bush election, the most depressing movie imaginable, Million Dollar Baby, won Best Picture. In 2008, post-Barack Obama election, the most upbeat movie imaginable, Slumdog Millionaire, won Best Picture. So it could go either way. I tend to think this just strengthens La La Land's case because people want escapism and La La Land will presumably make them happy. But what will be more interesting is to see if movies like Arrival that have a message about nations working together and getting over our issues, and uh, Moonlight, which is a important and diverse film, get more attention now than they would have previously. Um, there are also explicitly political films like Jackie and Miss Sloan that might get more consideration. You know, Jackie certainly might. Miss Sloan has premiered to mixed reviews. That, but even uh, a review from I think Collider listed it as one of those films that you wouldn't like outside of 2016, but in 2016 it's relevant. So we might see some influence there, I'm just not sure how much. I agree with the La La Land thing in that uh, people are looking for escapism, and on one hand, you look at everything that's going on in the country and how people are responding to the a possible Trump presidency, or it's not possible at this point, it's going to happen that he was elected by the Electoral College, but uh, you know what, some people could view it as crude to turn it back to an award show when so much is going on in society, people are being marginalized and just attacked, but 
You have a film like Moonlight, like we just said, that presents the side of America that most people have ignored for the most part and that we don't know as much about living in these suburban areas. Or you could have La La Land, which is just light and fun and just something we need to just take away from the horrors of what's going on in our world. So, I mean, look, it's just a tough situation that we have going on in this country and sometimes something like the Oscars could provide an escape. Other times it's a reflection of what we have in our society. I just want to say too that so many people over the years have been wishing this for me. So strangers, you know, I go, I'm walking in the street, people say something to me, I go in a doctor's office, I go in a whatever. Elevators, people saying, I wish you should win, you should win. I go for an x-ray, you should win one. We had a lot of films drop this week in terms of reviews. We're starting to finally get um, a lot more clarity. I mean, Fences, we talked about last week, this week. Uh, it was Rules Don't Apply. Miss Sloan, as Will alluded to earlier, uh, the comedian... Moana, Allied, Fantastic Beasts, which we will be reviewing uh, this weekend. Uh, I mean, there there is a lot, a lot of stuff now starting to happen. And you know what? The thing, this is the thing that always freaks me out a lot is when so many movies come out and they all turn out to be good. I mean, granted, Miss Sloan does seem to be somewhat divided, but there seems to be those that really do love it. The comedian I heard didn't do very well. The comedian, yeah, Sasha Stone said it was so bad she almost had a panic attack and left the theater. Uh, yeah, it's one or two people were mixed, and then the majority were just brutal. So I don't think De Niro is going to be making another Oscar appearance this year. As I heard somebody say, he went from potential Golden Globe nominee to potential shared Razzie with Bad Grandpa. Yeah, oh man, that's still the worst film I've seen this year. I hated that film so much. Um, let's talk about Rules Don't Apply for a second. Let's. Yeah, of course, of course. Michael's really excited about this. Um, it's got okay reviews so far. It's got a 76 on Rotten Tomatoes, last I checked. Um, but there does seem to be one common theme, and that is that Warren Beatty is pretty decent in the lead role. Um, even though a lot of people are questioning uh, the timeliness of the film and also whether or not if he should have been cast in the first place, but they seem to say that he's quite oh, good. Oh, I haven't heard that. I've heard people just saying that it's one of the best thing, I can't say in years because he hasn't worked in years, but one of the defining roles in his later career. I think what some people point out is the, uh, the age thing where, I mean, Beatty... If Warren Beatty is nominated, he will statistically be the oldest Best Actor nominee in history over Peter O'Toole and Richard Farnsworth. So he is playing a much older version of Howard Hughes than Howard Hughes was. And some people found the age difference between him and Lily Collins to be a bit icky, I think was the word I used. Yeah, well, consider that it's Howard Hughes also, one of the most eccentric figures of American culture. Let's also consider that as far as old men go, this is Warren freaking Beatty. He's, uh, yeah, right. He doesn't look, he does not look his age, obviously. No, he's not like a frail, you know, decaying, you know, old man. He, he's still the charismatic. Vibrant as ever. Exactly. Warren Beatty. I'm just saying what people, I saw people cite is maybe a reason you were talking about maybe he shouldn't have been cast. That was a reason I had seen listed on Twitter. I think that it is fair to say that this is a film that, in my opinion, 
I think I don't think it's best picture contender. I think Beatty is its best chance at a above the line nomination. I think below the line costumes, production design, cinematography. People have been raving the cinematography within the Academy. I hear at some of these screenings that happen on the two coasts, New York and Los Angeles. There is apparently applause whenever Caleb Deschanel's name comes up in the credits. Well, Deschanel is a legend. He's never won, correct, after five nominations? Correct. Right. I believe his last one was 2004. Yeah, Passion of the Christ, yeah. But he is an extremely gifted DP. And, yeah, apparently the film's very well shot. You know, it both evokes the old golden age charm of Hollywood, but also manages to hide Howard Hughes and intriguing shadows and stuff. So I, I think it could be a cinematography contender, certainly costume and production design contender. I'm very interested to see this film because I do love Warren Beatty as one of uh, my favorite public figures. I think he's an extraordinary filmmaker. Reds is one of the greatest films I've ever seen. And here it's apparently not just a film about how Howard Hughes plays a role in this uh, love story between two young people in 1950s Hollywood, but he talks in some of his interviews that he made the film... As a comment on America's sexual puritanism, something he seems to be very interested in, uh, the culture of the time, how uh, people responded to uh, love and sex in the changing times, but also keeping like one foot in the old age of Hollywood and the new. So I'm very interested to see how he plays with these different things. He has a great cast assembled. And you know what? It's been so long since he made a movie. Everything he's directed has been nothing short of interesting. I hope this continues the trend. You know, let's also remember, too, that majority of his films that he does direct do end up getting some key Oscar nominations to some degree or another. So it's something that I'm not ruling out just yet. But let me put it to you also this way. I will not be surprised if the film does get snubbed in a couple of key areas, mainly best actor, um, so on and so forth. Um, it depends on it. I, we need to hear more critical reactions to the film. Um, because like I said, it doesn't appear to be unanimous, but it's decent enough right now that it could gain some traction. He will be, this is an interesting fun fact. If he's nominated, he will be the third actor to be nominated for playing Howard Hughes. After Leonardo DiCaprio and Jason Robards back in Melvin and Howard. <laughs> Interesting. Also, when you look up when you look up Melvin and Howard and the Aviator, they both have actors who are appearing in Rules Don't Apply. Dabney Coleman was in Melvin and Howard, and Alec Baldwin was in The Aviator. Oh, that's bizarre. Uh, let's move over to a couple other key films here. Uh, Moana reviews started to come in uh, for the most part. Pretty overall positive from what I gather. I've heard it's not necessarily... I still think Zootopia wins Best Picture, though. Or Best uh, Best Animated Film. Yeah, with everything going on this year, of course. It's the most relevant film of the year right now. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, animated film. I mean, Zootopia, I think, is made all the more probably relevant in the minds of voters after this election. And I think its reviews are more overall stronger than... Moana's. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, early allied reactions uh, came out as well, costumes. which I'm very much looking forward to. Yeah, I've heard the costumes in this are just probably an early contender for the win here. Will, what do you make of that? Yeah, the uh, I mean, we won't know true allied reviews for another week or so, but 
World War II and 20th century costumes don't tend to win the category, but they can, as we saw with the artist. And Meredith and Cotillard's dresses are going to be stunning. We can already tell that. If Allied is well-reviewed, and we don't have a film sweep the categories, you know, if La La Land, the voters go crazy for it, it could even take costume design, I think, I think Allied could take that. I think Allied, it sounds like it's not a disaster, maybe not a Best Picture contender, but I think it'll probably show up in several of the tech categories in general. It also got a surprise R rating, which sort of uh, stunned me. I thought this was It's a little grittier than we expected. Yeah, I I, I definitely expected it for possible war violence. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, am I surprised? No, but after I saw that trailer and how the film was being uh, marketed to adult audiences, I, I definitely did not see this being more of a uh, mainstream film as much as I thought it would be. So the R rating doesn't surprise me. Uh, what else? Uh, yep, Fantastic Beasts uh, apparently is also not a disaster. Um, it's got 100% right now on Rotten Tomatoes, which I just never expected, but it's still early days. Um, but either way... Oh, yeah, but they're like three-star reviews, though. They're like B and B+. Yeah, I mean, overall, it it seems like the film is getting the reviews that it needs to re-kick this franchise into gear again. I can't wait to be back in that world. I love that Harry Potter world. I don't like the idea of five films, but it sounds like this one at least is going to be good. I mean, it's not going to be a Hobbit or Star Wars prequel, it looks like, which I know a lot of people were worried about. Yeah, you know who likes the idea of five films? Warner Brothers. And Johnny Depp. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. That's nuts. And John Voight, who is probably in a celebratory mood this week. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, and, Ro- and Robert De Niro is probably having the worst week of his life, right? <laughs> he said he feels like he felt after 9-11. Really? Jesus. Now, I would have oh, wanted man. to be a fly on the wall in the room when uh, John Voight and J.K. Rowling walked the red carpet on uh, Thursday. Oh, yeah. That'll be a little awkward. Slightly. Although I feel like their publicists are going to quell that situation as best as they can. Well, I think he's the villain in the movie, so... Oh, I thought it was Colin Farrell. I, I think he's like some corrupt politician, the John Voight character, if I'm not Oh, mistaken, okay. So. Farrell is the main villain, though. Yeah, I'm not following the plot of this film, really. Yeah, I really don't know anything. I'm going to be surprised. Uh, I'm just picking up on the trailers. Yeah, basically. And then um, another film, which we heard a little bit more about, which I feel like we've been hearing a lot about now for the better part of the entire year, is The Founder. Uh, Feinberg claims that Michael Keaton is very much a contender in the film, even though the film itself may not be, um, you know, that kind of an Oscar. Well, Feinberg claims the film is good, too. Oh, I mean, he said he said it was OK. I, I didn't hear him say it was amazing. I want this to succeed. I, 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 I gathered that he thought his uh, the film's best chances were for Keaton. I'm going to look up the article right now. Let me, OK, because I thought he was more explicitly positive about the whole film. It sounded like he was maybe like in the three star range, like a passable, not a best picture, not a best screenplay, but uh, a film that'll do well box office wise. So he says, I can report that it's not only not bad, but it is so good that it may be a serious contender overall. Never mind, I misinterpreted that. Yeah. So, I, Feinberg clearly thinks the film has chances. I will wait for more critics overall to give their feedback on it, because the test screenings were disastrous, and the fact that Harvey didn't put any single 
festival this year seemed odd for something that would, in theory, be a awards contender, particularly since it's been done. Well, he was also like having some issues this year with the company. Yeah, but he said lion everywhere. I know, but they, there was also gold that could have gone out. Maybe they only had the resources to put one film out. I guess that's possible, yeah. Gosh, I forgot that gold still has to open. Um, Best Actor is becoming a little bit more competitive as the season goes on, especially now if Keaton is in the mix. I'm starting to think that Andrew Garfield may not be getting that Best Actor nomination for Ivor Silence or Hacksaw Ridge at this point. I agree. I want the founders to succeed. It might be an interesting story. I think it would be. I think it would very much be an interesting story. I want it to be good. I had just written it off because I had heard terrible things from people who saw test screenings and the fact that it has been just MIA all season. Well, let me ask you this. Let's imagine Keaton does get nominated. Does he win? No. Then what's the point? I think it's still uh, Affleck and Washington. I think he just takes up an unnecessary space then, in my opinion, if that's the case. I I don't know. I mean, listen, maybe the performance will be worthy enough, but this whole let's get Michael Keaton in an Oscar thing, don't push it on us. Like, let it happen organically. I mean, quite honestly, it should have already happened for Birdman, uh, in my opinion. So they already screwed up as far as I'm concerned. Now they're trying to make it up with last year with all the talk about Spotlight. Didn't happen. This year, the founder, could it happen? Maybe. But stop trying to make it happen. Let the work speed for itself. It'll happen at some point. Yeah, you think so? Yes. He has enough people who really want him to win. I do think he will eventually. Yeah, and he is choosing uh, some pretty interesting pro- projects and staying... Uh, Although he know. just officially signed on as the Vulture in Spider-Man this week, so... I thought he already filmed that. It was not official until this week. That's coming out pretty soon. I'm surprised they're starting this late. That's a good call. Yeah, that's interesting. That's coming out this summer. Or it may just be that he officially announced what villain he is this week. Because you're right, that has been shooting for a while. Yeah, and you know, speaking of uh, timelines and deadlines and things like that, it appears that Silence will indeed screen for uh, for critics early. I believe um, Los Angeles Film Critics and New York Film Critics Circle are going to... National Board Review, it's also screening for in advance. Yeah. Well, I always thought it would hit for the critics. Maybe not in a totally finished form, maybe in the way that Selma did a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But I never thought it was going to go like into late December without screening. It's probably going to be like late November, very early December. Remember The Revenant uh, missed, even The Revenant missed a lot of the early critics groups last year entirely. I mean, I thought this was what was going to happen too. I mean, the best example I can uh, possibly think of in regards to this is uh, Selma. But we've seen it happen before with um, Quentin Tarantino's films like Django Unchained. It happened to Wolf of Wall Street. Martin Scorsese's last film it happened to as well. Um, You know, as a result, these films don't end up getting like SAG nominations. um, But they do end up making... Because they vote too early. Yeah, but they do end up making at least Golden Globe uh, Broadcast Film Critics Association. We do end up getting at least a little bit of a preview. And as a result, we could start... um, you know, figuring out its trajectory from there. I think silence is the the big thing I think that we all don't see coming. I mean, we kind of see it coming because it's Martin Scorsese, but I think at this point, due to its troubled production history, I think a lot of people have written it off. I mean, if the film comes out and it's not great, everyone's going to blame 
it on the fact they rushed it to, towards release instead of giving it the time that it needed to um, be finished in the editing room. I mean, they just finished wrapping, um, filming, what, in May? So depending on how much work that they need to do, um, I could see how it could be rushed. And Marty likes to tinker in the editing room until he's got a finished film that he calls his director's cut. This is why you never see a Martin Scorsese director's cut ever come out. So whatever that finished film is going to be, that is what it's going to be. I mean, it's either going to be Kundun or it's going to be the film that wins Martin Scorsese his second Oscar. I I, I don't know. Yeah, I would say it's either Kundun or The Departed. That's. I mean, we'll see. I, I, I'm still of the mindset that I'm not sure the Academy is ready to give Damien Chazelle best director. Oh, I don't think that I don't think it's a matter of ready to do. I mean, you had guys like Hasanavicius and Tom Hooper win on their first or second film. I don't think it But I think they view him as a kid. I think if they like the film, no, it's flashy direction. If they like the film overall, he'll take it too. I keep like I keep saying this. The uh the only times you have splits are either if somehow the director or frontrunner doesn't get nominated, like Ben Affleck due to a fluke, or if the direction and the best picture winner is not flashy. La La Land is very flashy. You know, uh, Crash did not have particularly flashy direction. Spotlight had very quiet direction. Those are, I mean, Shakespeare in Love compared to Saving Private Ryan had pretty quiet direction. Those are the type of films where you have a best picture, best director split. You can't really say that about La La Land, particularly because I suspect this will be more in the more restrained side of Scorsese direction because it's a historical piece. I mean, we said that about Gangs in New York, did we not? <laughs> you know, and look how that turned out. I mean, with some of the, uh, uh, you know, Gangs in New York is... The U2 you know, songs playing, the like that's extreme... Not, that's not even here nor there. I mean... That film has been well documented and written about at this point. Hey guys, this is JD from the Incession Film Podcast. Every week on our show, you can join my co-host Brendan and I as we review the latest films that's out in theaters. It also inspires us to discuss a top three list of some sort, and we have a lot of other fun movie discussions as well. It's always a blast. And we also have a show on Fridays called our Extra Film Podcast. This is a show that gives us the space to talk about the latest indies and art films and other classics that we normally just don't get to talk about on our main show. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and more. In fact, you can just see everything about us, including our social medias at IncessionFilm.com. So join us every week. We'd absolutely love to have you. Let's move over to some other film news. Guys, uh, what do we got here? Max Landis, writing and directing an American Werewolf in London remake, a film that his own father directed. Uh, yay or nay, trash, uh, beautiful flowers. <laughs> you know, what do you guys, are you guys high or low on this, essentially? I'm not a Max Landis fan, necessarily. So, I think I'm better off just going with no comment here. It's uh, just doesn't even really register for me. You know, like, I... The the internet shits on Max Landis a lot, but the bottom line is the man has only made four films, and one of them was pretty good with Chronicle. 
So I don't think an American Werewolf in London remake needs to happen. I think it's odd to be remaking a film that made your dad, it was such a success for your dad. I would kind of wish he would do an original property. But I'm like, I don't hate Max Landis the way some of the internet does. You know, so I, I'm not going to automatically say this is going to be a disaster. Okay. I mean, I think it will be. I, I mean, I don't. He's got a he's got a special place in my heart forever for making this um, wrestling video that made its way on the internet for a little while because I was a wrestling fan in the '90s, and uh, this video I thought really just spoke out to anybody that ever cared or loved or enjoyed wrestling. Um, so he's got a little spot there uh, for me always for making that. But on the whole, he just comes off as entitled snotty little brat that's had had everything handed to him in Hollywood. So, I mean, I know that's how the internet also perceives him as well. I mean, it is what it is. I'm not really looking forward to it. Let's just put it that yeah, way. It's, it's not high on my list, but I'm not going to be one of those people who thinks this is a guaranteed disaster. I mean, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not anticipating it. I'll say that. And I don't think it should happen. But, yeah. Uh, but I will tell you something that I am looking forward to now. Robert Eggers, the director of The Witch from earlier this year, has announced his next film to be a remake of Nosferatu. Now, doesn't that sound like an intriguing film? Yes, although I, I will be interested to see how he spins it differently from other Dracula films. and other. I think it'll certainly have great production design and atmosphere, but I kind of wish he would take tackle an original property because the Nosferatu story is essentially a version of Dracula without calling it Dracula because they couldn't get the rights, as I recall. So I don't know how he will make it really stand out from other vampire films. That being said, his direction in The Witch is some of my favorite of this year. I will see anything he does because he is clearly a very gifted director. But I do wish he would tackle another original property like The Witch instead. He definitely knows how to work with atmosphere, style, and mood. So if he can make it work, you know, he definitely has the tools in his toolbox. Yeah. Yeah, no, he definitely does. It should be very interesting to see how it all comes together for him because I do think he shows a lot of promise and I think that this is something that is a perfect uh, vehicle follow-up for him. So we'll see how this one pans out. And Michael, I know this one will probably be uh, dear to your heart. Um, Robert Redford has announced that after his next two films, he will officially retire from acting. Uh, and he will focus squarely on direction. Misty watercolored memories of the way we were, as they once said in the film. What do you guys think? You, I mean, if anybody deserves it at this point in his career, Redford deserves to take a step back, right? You know what? He's had quite the career, not just working as an actor and director, but starting a film festival and just being an environmentalist, an activist. He's run the gamut. So. Well, and he didn't say he's done with directing. He's just acting. No, 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 acting. just acting. So, yeah, I mean, he'll still be involved. And really, I mean, he hasn't, I mean, he's, he hasn't been that prolific in his acting in recent years anyway. He was heading that direction. He had, what, A Walk in the Woods, Captain America. I mean, he hasn't. Pete's Dragon, he was in this year. Okay. Uh, All is Lost. 
Okay, so I guess yeah, I guess he has been on the screen a decent bit still. Um, it's a shame he will probably, unless one of his final two projects gets raved, probably never win an acting Oscar for a filmmaker who has been as iconic and an actor who has been as iconic as he has been. But he's everybody knows he's had a lasting impact. I mean, like, uh, and he's done some great roles. I think it is. He's entitled to step back, and I completely understand it. You know, he's responsible for directing one of my all-time favorite films, Ordinary People. Oh, yeah, that's a good Yeah, he won an Oscar for it. I remember when I was younger, I used to have such disdain towards that film because it was the film that beat Raging Bull. But in years since, I've grown to really appreciate uh, how fantastic that movie really is. And look, I mean, I love Raging Bull, of course. It's a masterpiece, but if I were voting that year... I think I would have given it to ordinary people also. Well, it's, so Scorsese's direction is better than Redford's, but as far as story goes, ordinary people definitely, have, in my opinion, has the better story. Like, I think Raging Bull is a decent script made great by Scorsese's direction. I didn't find Jake LaMotta's story on its own that compelling. It was just Scorsese's execution was so good. Whereas Ordinary People has a very good story. Yeah. And performances, to be able to get that out of Mary Tyler Moore and Donald Sutherland, who should have been nominated. It's criminal that he wasn't. No, yeah. Timothy Hutton, who won, but in the wrong category. Yeah. That's a film and a year which, in the offseason, I really, really want to explore. Uh, That 1980 Oscar race, Raging Bull versus Ordinary People. That should be a lot of fun. And uh, let's head over now to some trailers, and let's talk about uh, what new films we got coming out. Uh, first up here, we have uh, Luke Besson, the um, director of The Fifth Element, and Lucy, his latest film. It's called Valyrian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Home sweet home. kind of did the fifth element there's some guardians of the galaxy uh like uh visuals that pop at you with the colors and uh the alien creatures and what have you Uh, i i I have to say the trailer had me intrigued and it looks like could be um fun but i did get a jupiter ascending vibe from it more so than anything what did you guys think absolutely i got jupiter ascending and a bit of suicide squad as well Neither of which is a ringing endorsement. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not anticipating this to be good. I, I probably won't have it ranked high among lists or films I'm eager to see. But in terms of the visual style, I mean, it doesn't look boring. I'll say that. No, no. Uh, it, I mean, it, it could and be Lucy, good. Lucy, his previous film was uh, wacky to say the least. 
what a bizarre film that kept me thoroughly entertained. I mean, Luc Besson has made... He can direct a good action film. Leon the Professional is great. Yeah, I do like that film. Natalie Portman is stellar. The Transporter isn't a great film, but The Transporter is a lot of fun. I mean, like, I'm not saying it can't be good. Uh, I, I do, I mean, it costs almost $200 million to make, too, which is... Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's $180 million, so, I mean, that's... It's not cheap, and it's not based on a recognizable property, so it's not guaranteed to make that money back. Um, Dane DeHaan and mine's blanking. What's her name? Cara Delevingne. Cara Delevingne have not established themselves as box office draws. It's definitely risky. In theory, it's it's an original concept, so I I, I root for that. I'm a little done with uh, sci-fi films like Suicide Squad and. Uh, most honestly now trying to make themselves sound more engaging by using covers of classic rock songs angsty covers of classic rock songs or of popular pop songs oh yeah we heard it earlier with uh, a cure for wellness uh doing that earlier this year as well um and in another trailer that we're going to discuss uh it also did it uh too it's happening a lot <laughs> yeah do we remember a few years ago when Luc Besson had a straight drama called The Lady that premiered a TIFF and some people thought it was going to be his Oscar play? No. Vaguely. Well, it sort of like, crashed and burned there, but it was starring uh, Michelle Yell. Oh, I do remember this. So he's, like, I mean, quite the career going back and forth between genres. I mean, that was just a s- straight drama coming from him, and I just remember it got panned out of TIFF. Yeah, I don't remember this. Yeah, I'm even blanking what it was about. I just remember it was something that people had in like their best picture, best director, best actress lineup, and it just never happened. So, not an acclaimed filmmaker, but uh, certainly someone interesting, I guess, to an extent. Sure, sure. All right, let's move over to our second trailer here. Uh, this one just dropped uh, very recently. This is uh, Rupert Sanders' uh, next film following Snow White and the Huntsman. It's very, very hotly anticipated, starring Scarlett Johansson. You would think this film was directed by Luke Besson after uh, he cast her in Lucy and with a very similar visual style to what we just discussed, but with an entirely different story. This here is Ghost in the Shell. This is Major. I'm on site. the first of your kind but you're not invulnerable maybe next time you can design me better everyone around me they feel connected to something connected to something I'm not what are you dying we saved you and now you save others What's 
trailer uh won me over visually um this looks like you know you take that previous trailer that we just talked about and then you compare it to this uh, th this seems more up my alley what do you guys think yeah it, it, it looks interesting i mean it's definitely feels a little bit like 2012's total recall remake um with a little bit of the born identity and ex mahina thrown in there but I'm open to the possibility of it being good. It's got some cool visuals. Um, yeah, I, I will I will check it out if it's well-received. What do you guys think of uh, Scarlett Johansson uh, being cast in the lead role? There's quite a bit of controversy over her not being uh, Asian uh, for this role. Um, and as a result, people are accusing the film of being whitewashing. I mean, why isn't there an Asian actress playing this lead role? There's such a diversity problem in Hollywood. That it's like this is just continuing the trend that we shouldn't even be in in the first place. Exactly, I think it is. Uh, I think it definitely is an issue. Nothing against Scarlett Johansson, but it's like, come on. Yeah, I'm I'm not really qualified to comment there, but I I, under, I definitely understand what you're saying. Um, does anybody like familiar with the property that this is based on? None. Uh, I don't know really anything about it. I, I I was aware of the anime growing up, but I never saw it. Okay, because uh, I'm not either, which is good. I think because that means I can head into this film with uh, no expectations, um, and hopefully, as a result, you know, possibly enjoy it a little bit more. The film is also starring uh, Pillow Asback, who will you and I know from uh, Game of Thrones this year. Mm -hmm. um, and Michael, I don't know if you saw this film, but the Denmark uh, foreign language film, uh, A War. I did not see it, but I know of it. Yeah, uh, Juliet Binoche is in it. Um, and Michael Pitt is also in this as well. Yeah, but let us not forget Juliet Binoche was also in Godzilla. In a thankless role, so... Hey, 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 listen. The first 20 minutes of Godzilla are actually pretty decent. <laughs> oh, I, I enjoyed Godzilla. I'm just saying, sometimes everybody needs a paycheck movie. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Well, that'll pretty much do it right about there for trailers uh, for this week. Um, guys, this is officially our shortest episode yet. Uh, this is pretty... Yay! Yeah, this is a pretty astonishing feat. It was a busy week. Not a whole lot going on in the film industry right now. No, just a lot of reviews drop for films for the most part. But yeah, you're right. Once we start getting into uh, more of the critics precursor awards and we start narrowing down some of these Oscar categories, we can start diving a little bit deeper into them and start dissecting what we think is going to get in, what's not going to get in. And, you know, just take it from there. We got, you know, Golden Globes. We've got broadcast film critics. I mean, it's going to start revving up. Oh, and very quickly, the Governor's Awards were last night on Saturday night. Oh, yeah. They gave out the honorary Oscars. Uh, any uh, any clips have, that you've seen from the ceremony at all? Or? I haven't seen them yet, but last year, I remember Sunday morning, they were all up on YouTube, and I watched them for about two hours, the speeches and the honors that they gave out. Yeah. So uh, they may be up now. I'm going to check when we're done recording. 
But uh, four honorary Oscars, Ann Coates, Lynn Stallmaster, Frederick Wiseman, and Jackie Chan. Yeah, and we've discussed them on the show before, but yeah, that's uh, an interesting, a, a good bunch of choices. So if you're interested, give that a look. And I know a lot of people were in town campaigning with their publicists, uh, little wine and dine with Academy members. There's a great picture on Twitter of Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, holding uh, the butt of an Oscar statuette outside on the red carpet, which is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's predicting that he's going to seriously own the season, um, just like he owned pretty much everything that he touches for the most part. I mean, he's he's the factor in best original song that I think we all need to watch out for. Well, who doesn't want to see him give a rapping, weeping Oscar speech? Yeah, yeah. So, good for him. It could happen. We'll see. All right. Well, that pretty much just about does it here on the Next Best Picture podcast this week for episode 11, our shortest episode yet. Michael, where can they find you on the Twitter? You can always find me on Twitter at Mike Movie. And Will. You can find me at Mavericks Movies on Twitter. Thanks for checking in again. And I am on Twitter at Next Best Picture. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Feel free to drop us a review on iTunes, a comment. Feel free to share the podcast. Give us some of your feedback, too. We'd really, really appreciate it. It's because of you that we keep this party rolling. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you all next time. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.